Welcome to another episode of the Downey Livewire, a podcast by the Downey Patriot. My name is Eric Pierce, editor of the Downey Patriot, and we're joined again today by staff writer Alex Dominguez. How how are you, Alex? I'm uh, really I'm really good, Eric. Uh, I noticed you stopped calling me a guest, so I think I'm officially settled in here on the podcast. You're basically a co-host, I think, at this point, and you know we're we're happy to have you. Um, you know, we I, I enjoy talking Downey with you, uh, talking Downey uh, politics and city council and government. Most of the time, I enjoy talking about it. Uh, but we had some pretty big news in the last week or two. Yeah, it's been a busy week. It has. Uh, the biggest news, I think, is that Downey now has a city manager. Yeah. Um, first of all, just... I don't know if it's appropriate to say hallelujah, but uh, I mean, it's um, it was definitely seeing everything come together, seeing the announcement a week or two ago and seeing everything be approved this week. It, there was a I mean, you and I have talked before. Uh, we're both residents. Not only do we work in the city, we're both residents. So to see that step in the right direction, it was a, a big relief yeah. I think, on multiple fronts. What do you know about our new city manager? You know, to be honest, I don't know too awful much about him. I did get to speak with him just briefly at the meeting on Tuesday, and it wasn't much more than a, a handshake and a hello and a congratulations because, uh, to be honest, everybody in the room was trying to do the same. But uh, I do know he starts officially March 14th, um, so just just around the corner. His name is Roger Bradley. Roger Bradley, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and uh, we've got the terms of his contract. He's uh, currently an assistant city manager in uh, the city of Corona. Um, and I thought this was really kind of, uh, I don't know why this surprised me, but he was chosen from a field of 41 candidates. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that number stuck up or stuck out uh, to me. Maybe because, you know, through this whole process with everything going on, um, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, city managers or potential city managers are going to look in and mm-hmm. and see what's going on in the city and, and might be, uh, I don't know, persuaded to look elsewhere. But yeah, 41, he was picked out of a field of 41, which um, I, I mean, I think also, while it surprised me, shows really just the quality of the city of Downey that people would want to come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's int- I have a couple of thoughts on that one. I think being a city manager in Downey probably beats being an assistant city manager in other cities, including Corona. Nothing against Corona, but there it's not it's not Downey. I mean, when I think of Corona, I don't really know what I think of. You yeah. know, and Downey's a little bit different, and and I think too, you know, it, it's a very well paid position. Uh, this new city manager, he he got a five year deal. Uh, he's going to be paid, his, his base salary is over $287,000 a year. Um, plus, you know, there's there's other benefits to it. So, I mean, that's a healthy salary. I mean, I think anybody, no matter what the, di- the dynamics are, that's a really good amount of money to be getting. So I can see why people would so want to. What was your thoughts on the five-year term? Um, to be completely honest with you and to all our listeners, you know, when I came into the Patriot and started writing, really started covering the city, in my head, Gilbert Levis was a lock. You know, there, mm-hmm. there was really no thought of end of contract, no discussion of end of contract, or how long is he going to be here, blah, blah, blah. What was your thought on uh, 
uh, Mr. Bradley getting this five-year term? I, you know, I, I felt it was necessary considering the instability in Downey. Because, you know, the city manager works at the discretion of the city council. So if the city council reaches out with, with Gilbert Levis, if the city council wants to get rid of the city manager, it only takes three votes. So I think you really need to sweeten the pot, and not just in Downey, basically in, in, in any city, you really need to sweeten the pot to give the city manager a sense of security, mm-hmm. I think. And I think, and this is kind of a unique case because, you know, you, you mentioned Gilbert Levis being a lock. His his successor was, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on, on his name, um, but there's always been like a, a plan of who was going to be city manager here in in uh, jerry kane uh, jerry yeah. kane and then they brought they brought gilbert on board and they kind of knew what the transition was going to be and in this case it was very similar where we had aldo schindler who was kind of being groomed to to take over from gilbert but that obviously went out yeah. the window now we're starting from scratch again now this guy's going to bring in his own people i assume and kind of start that that, uh, that that tradition again, I would think. But to bring him here, you have to really give him some incentive to come. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. We don't know uh, what his uh, priorities are. I was surprised because he's not coming from Southeast LA County. He doesn't have any history in Southeast LA County. And it's such a unique community. I mean, Downey itself is unique, and then you look more uh, from a regional perspective, and you have Southeast LA County. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he must have done really well in the interview because we, he came out of nowhere. Do you think that's of his to his benefit, to his uh, or to his detriment that maybe he's not coming from a, a place of familiarity with our city, our our region? I don't see it as a positive. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I would I would prefer to to have somebody who's familiar at least with our neighboring cities and and how we work. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming from Corona, it's so far out there. His other city was up in Northern California. He also worked with the, with the county. And I'm not trying to dump on the guy. I'm just saying that we don't know who he is. Uh, it, it would have made more sense. I I thought if if Downey had hired you know, an assistant city manager from a neighboring city or, you know, recruited another city manager from, from, a, from a neighboring city. And I think you and I spoke about this before as all the, you know, the search was ongoing. There are people who have uh, familiarity and uh, history within the city just in neighboring cities. I mm-hmm. think Whittier has a few of our old people. And, yeah. not just, and, and we don't know, you know, what the discussion, you know, what discussions look like and how the interview process i mean we know the result but we don't know you know how we got from point a to point b and you know the 41 people in between but uh i think you you're definitely onto something that it's uh gonna be definitely a a unique experience to just kind of sit back and see how how uh you know mr bradley fits in and what his goals are and his work style like i said i had a brief conversation with him he seemed like a nice enough guy, uh, but with something like this, it's really going to more reflect on his actions than, oh, you know, he was pleasant to talk to. So. For, for sure. And, you know, what, what the, the interesting part, too, is, you know, the, the whole selection process, because the city council, you know, selects a city manager. 
and, and who do we have? We have Claudia Frometa and we have Mayor Claudia Frometa, we have Mayor Protem, Mario Trujillo. We also had, you know, uh, Councilwoman uh, Catherine Alvarez, who is now recalled. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of a role she had. We also have newly elected Councilman Hector Sosa, who barely joined the, the, the council not even two months Donald ago. Donald plant probably had some say and some sway. He, he's gone. Yeah. Um, our newest uh, council member, Timothy Horn, voted on the contract. He barely got sworn in a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he probably had nothing more to do with it than just that vote. But. Yeah, so the whole scenario, the whole process is just kind of weird to me. The, the, the timing, which is very kind of strange. You know, we're all rooting. We're all rooting for this guy, Roger Bradley. And uh, we all want him to succeed. I, I, I want to know what his definition of success is. What does he want to do? What are his goals? And, you know, maybe we'll, we're going to try to get him on the podcast. And we'll, we'll see. we got to ask him. Yeah, definitely for sure. And um, I would love to get, you know, be able to sit down with him and maybe interview him a little. I mean, obviously, you know, doing that on the podcast, but uh, just to have those, you know, that tough conversation, uh, especially with the state of the city as it's been in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Alex, you wrote another interesting story this week, and, we, you know, we're holding our Downey Patriots right now while we're talking. Um, what was interesting is an idea incubator for the Volte building. The Volte building is a historical property over um, on Lakewood by the promenade. Do you know much about the Volte building? I don't. I, I know it was really instrumental in the whole aerospace um, industry when that was booming in, in Downey. It was once, I mean, I'm by no means an expert, but just in my little bit of research that I did for this story, uh, it was once one of the top manufacturers of planes during World War II. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty intense, pretty yeah. cool. And it's a, it's a big build. Have you ever been inside? No. Um, I walked it's... around it the other day just to, you know, to get my photos for, yeah. the, for the story, and I kind of peeked through some windows, but I've never been inside. It's very spacious, and there's there's been, you know, over the, the year, it's been vacant, I don't know how, how many, a couple of decades, and there's always been a couple of people who have expressed interest in, in moving in. It's never really happened. It's complicated because it is a historical property, so it has uh, some pretty heavy uh, usage restrictions. You can't really knock down walls and windows. You gotta do things by the book. So it's been kind of difficult, but it sounds like, I, I don't know, the down, it sounds like Downey might have an idea for it. Well, um... Mayor Fermetta definitely has an idea for it, and it sounds like she's been kind of chipping away at this since uh, she first got elected on. Um, the word, or the, the phrase, uh, idea incubator, is um, has been thrown around a lot. And I'll be completely honest, even having, you know, talked to uh, Claudia, or you know, Mayor Fermetta, and written the story, I'm still not 100% sure if I fully grasp what an idea incubator is, to, what it sounds like to me is it's a space where the city wants to bring in these big companies. And when I say big, we're talking Microsoft, Google, those kinds of things that have some kind of root in STEM, uh, uh, science, technology, uh, I'm right. You, you know what I mean? Um, uh, obviously, I was not a STEM kid, mm. but uh, technology based. Technology based, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and they want to be able to work with kids and young individuals uh, who have ideas mm-hmm. um, that could potentially manifest and grow into bigger ideas, bigger corporations, bigger businesses. And so you put these companies like Microsoft, like uh, Google, who you know whoever they end up getting into this idea incubator, and you make those connections with students and with you know college uh, students and whatnot, and you make those connections. May and you you hope you hope something grows. I guess you you incubate their ideas. Yeah, uh, yeah. and. Again, like I said, I did a horrible job of, you know, explaining it right there, and I, I admit that, but that's but, what it seems like. In- but I think it's, it's not your fault, because I think it's all kind of a, a thought right now, because I know, you know, the city's throwing out, you know, they're throwing out Google and Microsoft, but to be clear, I don't think those discussions have happened. Yeah, it's still very much in the concept phase. And look, I don't know, like, I, I know I'm sounding... In my older age, I'm getting more... Um, Crotchety? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if if we can't even get a Trader Joe's, I mean, do we really think we're going to get a Google or a Microsoft on the same property that houses a Walmart? I don't see it happening. I, I, I don't know. I know the mayor also mentioned maybe hosting the Downey Museum of Art or the Historical Society. Now, let me say that Downey Museum of Art is... is no longer. They went, they're gone. It's, it's defunct. The Historical Society, that's kind of intriguing to yeah, me. Yeah, that I lit up when she said that. They need space. That makes perfect sense with, with you know, maybe a little bit of funding. They can really kind of curate an exhibit. It, it should be a place where the public can go and visit because it's so phenomenal. That right there kind of gets me excited. Yeah, and you know the it's not even just the city that seems to be attached to this. Can we even call it a project at this point? Yeah. Um, the the uh, school board was also approached, and they gave a statement. Um, but we're just it's this kind of intangible right now. You know, I'm having a hard enough time even explaining what it is. Yeah. Don't ask me how I wrote the article on it. Uh, because as I mean, as you can tell, as our listeners can probably tell, I'm not even sure I've got the full grasp of what an idea incubator is. It sounds really nice. It sounds like a cool idea. Uh, we don't even have a, a timeline on it. Um, you know, I when I interviewed Claudia about it, I asked her, "So when are we going to see this happen? Like, are, mm-hmm. is it going to be a year, two years?" I even joked with her. I said, "You were just uh, uh, sworn into your second term. Are we going to see it during your term? Are you going to be at the the ribbon cutting?" Mm-hmm. And she said, I hope so. I doubt it. Yeah, you know, so there's, I, I, there's, there's, no, there's no way. There, for one, there, there's no concrete plan yet yeah. that the city has, has gotten behind. So there's, there's nothing to even pitch to the technology companies. Yeah. And I, but, you know, like, I think having a city manager now is going to really help in this effort. And I would like to see the city kind of sit down and come up with a concrete plan. At that point, you can start really fundraising or moving forward, do whatever it is that you need to do. But right now, like you say, it's just kind of a pipe dream right now. Yeah, it's it's not much of anything besides just uh, a couple of words that keep getting thrown out. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see. You know, going along with the whole historical aspect of it, um, the city council talked about maybe creating a historical 
preservation ordinance. It looks like it didn't happen, but they did do something. Yeah, and the only reason it didn't happen is because uh, basically just technicalities. Like, they were trying to get it to happen. Um, so uh, this has been long overdue, and I'm not saying that out of opinion. It's part of the city charter that there mm-hmm. should be a some, port, some sort of... Uh, um, historical preservation ordinance or something and i mean we've gone i think they said 18 years or or whatnot without that even Mm -hmm. coming close um so this is they this is a way you know we've got all these historic uh places um i or icon iconic Mm -hmm. you know thing uh yeah, things, some structures, yeah. And, yeah. Um, Speedy, uh, the uh, Volti, uh, Volti, Volti. Uh, uh, but Speedy, Bob's uh, Big Boy, Bob's Big Boy, some of the Rancho property, Polly Johnson House, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and the Dismukes House. We have all these properties. We need a way to protect them so that you know. Speaking of. Bob's Big Boy, you know, we don't have a repeat of Johnny's Broiler. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what they initially went in to do. And uh, this ordinance set definitions of what could be considered historic. Uh, It set standards for upkeep and maintenance. And it gave some teeth as to, you know, what would happen if you, you know, violated some of this or... You went in and you tried to do something you weren't supposed to do. And the the issue was all that review power went to the planning commission. Mm. And there were several council members, but mainly uh, Mayor Fermetta, who said, we want some kind of board or commission who has who is uh, comprised of people who have history in historical preservation and knowledge. Mm. So that's when they came up with the... Um, I think it's the historical, their history, culture, and arts uh, preservation, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Yeah. Um, so the only reason that that didn't happen was because because the council wants to not give all this power to the planning commission, but create this own commission. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's just semantics. The staff, you know, city staff needs to take it, tweak the wording, bring it back. Then they have to do the first reading, and they can go from there. So it's not like they were hung up on anything. Uh, the only reason it didn't happen last week is just because. They wanted to tweak a couple things. Sure, sure. It, it's you know it's something to keep an eye on. And and again, I'm not optimistic about this. You know, traditionally, you know, we we do have the Downey Conservancy here in Downey, and traditionally, um, they haven't had the best relationship with the city of Downey. I think they just have different perspectives, and I think this commission, whether you know. Whatever they do, the ultimate decision on preservation is going to come down to the city council. And traditionally, the city council has been has not been very supportive of, of Downey preservation. I think they value property rights over in you know, historical preservation. I mean, you want a, a good example? Look at the Reeves Mansion. A hundred percent. You know, drive down and it's you know there's a giant you know coffee shop that's going to be it's under construction. Uh, right now, no, that's a perfect example. I, I don't know. I also don't know how many historical properties we still have left. And also, you know, you, you mentioned Johnny's Broiler. You know, we know that was destroyed, but, you know, that was done illegally. Yeah. Uh, that was already considered a uh, historical property, I think, from the state of California. 
and that was just down because but it wasn't maintained you know yeah. so it was almost bound to happen and i would hate for that to happen at the breeze mansion but if it does not no code is going to protect it somebody's going to break the law and do it i i don't know i'm, I'm not it'll be curious to see who's appointed to this commission uh the relationship with the city council and what the city council ultimately, I think, wants to do with this. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And, you know, there was a you know, repre- representation from the Conservancy at that meeting. And they, they, you know, they spoke and said, like, we're willing to do this. We're willing to help. Again, to your point, we'll see if that happens, you know, who gets appointed. But, um, I well, mean, I, I, hope it, I hope it works. You know, and there needs to be, I think, a clear understanding of what makes a property historic. Because, you know, I've been, I know you've been um, invited to tour some really classic Downey homes, some very beautiful Downey homes. We've been invited by the Downey Conservancy. We've we've gone there. And it's funny because we'll drive by these houses sometimes not knowing how beautiful of a structure it is on the inside in the backyards. They're they're gorgeous. But what makes it historic yeah is it his i don't know well and the other thing too uh to that point is say you have a home that is considered historic Mm -hmm. let's say yeah um uh i i don't think it's uh listed uh as one of our historic things but uh, i mean like the carpenter house is still Mm -hmm. in downey right yeah so eric let's say you buy the carpenter house Mm -hmm. and now you want to make an addition. Right. Carpenter House is technically your property. In this mm-hmm. hypothetical scenario, right. mm-hmm. it's your property. Yeah. What's the city going to say? Uh, mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Historical, you know, I mean, and I, again, I don't think the Carpenter House is considered historical, but let's just say it was. Well, some people would, would disagree. A lot of people would say it is historical. Well, no, I'm not saying I don't think it is. I'm saying under... The, the terms or whatnot. Right, right. I don't think it's considered historical. Yeah. But what if it was? And mm-hmm. you're the homeowner of this place, and you you want to add, I don't know, you, you want to add an extra bathroom on the, the back sure. or, or whatever. Right. What, the city's just going to come in and say, no? Yeah, you're right. Because, in you know, I had this conversation with, with Mario Guerra recently, and it, it he, he brought up the same exact point. It's... It's different, I think, if if you buy a property and you buy it free and clear, you should be able to do whatever it is that you want to it. Now, if you buy a property knowing that it's historic and there's regulations attached to it, that's a completely different story. Yeah. So I think the, the tricky part is right now getting it off the ground and trying to... I, I think the trick would be trying to convince the current owners of these properties to buy into it, to sign the paperwork to make it historic. And hopefully they'll buy in. You can't force them to. I agree yeah. with that. You can't force them to. But maybe you offer some sort of incentive. You talk to them. You show them the value in having a historic home and living in a historic neighborhood. Uh, I don't know. But we're, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I don't have high hopes. I don't know. What all helps. Uh, anything else interesting happen at the, at the city? Uh, do, do we want to talk a little bit about uh, Downey Police, Downey PD? Sure. Um, so Downey PD got the green light to go ahead and add a third police captain. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been operating with two since 
uh, what was it? 2013? 2014, right around there. Yeah. And that's all stemming from the uh, Great Recession. Uh, you know, the city had, you know, during that period, the city did have some t- uh, financial struggles, as did yeah. everybody. And through that, um, you know, the the police department lost some staff. And yeah. uh, there were some staff cuts. And they've since added staff, you know, through Measure S and other, mm-hmm. you know, budget whatnot uh but um this third captain hasn't uh hasn't been rehired yet and the chief murray chief leslie murray has said you know look we're in a different time of downey now where policing is different you know you've got a whole bunch of different techniques and thing you know ways you have to go about policing you've got uh downey itself has Developed. You've got downtown Downey. You've got uh, the landing, the promenade, and we're at this point. Our administration, our our responsibilities were taxed. We need the third uh, captain. And the way it used to be set up is there's three bureaus. Um, I know there's field operations, administrative, and I think it's the detective, detective bureau. Yeah. yeah, and each bureau had a captain with its their own responsibilities and goals and, and whatnot. Um, now they've been operating with two. So uh, the city, or um, I'm sorry, the the, uh, the police department came in and said, hey, we could really use this third chief. Now is the time to bring it back. And the city said, okay. Yeah, so it's going to, uh, and you know, I, I don't know a ton about this, so it's kind of hard for me to talk about this intelligently. Um, but it is going to cost, what, a couple hundred, extra hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Because it's, you know, you got to promote somebody. You're creating a new position. You got to promote somebody. Um, I do hope it doesn't take away from, you know, boots on the ground, officers on patrol. That would be my um, my hope. And I, I'm sure, you know, Chief Murray, she, she's a great police chief. I'm sure she's she's already thought about this and answered those questions. I wasn't at the meeting, uh, but that would be my initial um, concern. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. You know, we appreciate you uh, going to these city council meetings, so we don't have to. <laughs> you know, I tell people all the time, and I, you know, I don't mind sharing this. And Eric, you, you remember when when I first started here at the Patriot, I hated going to meetings. Yeah. I thought they were really dry and boring. And um, I've really grown to appreciate them and, and really kind of enjoy them. There, there are elements and and people I, I don't like at each meeting, but we won't. We don't need to give that any more attention than that. But I, um, yeah, I. If somebody's got to do it, I'm happy to be that person. Yeah, you know, that's where you can see your local government at work. Mm-hmm. And it, it's to me, it's kind of fascinating. I appreciate now that they're broadcasted on on YouTube. Back in the day, they used to be broadcast on local cable. And, and now it's it's a little bit more. Um, it's There's no excuse, basically, not to not yeah. to watch the meetings. I mean, besides, you know, utter boredom. <laughs> uh, but you do it on the public's behalf and you... And you write your stories, and you know you educate you educate the public. Uh, any final comments on the city council meeting? No, um, I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, uh, city council meeting second and fourth Tuesday of every month. I kind of enjoy recapping these meetings. Um, there's really something interesting at every meeting. You that can we talked about. you can find something even yeah. on the the slow slow days. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. Alex, thank you so much for appearing. Thank you, uh, I don't want to call you a special guest. Maybe co-host. I don't know what we're going to call you. We'll call <laughs> Do you I get business name. cards now that say co-host? I don't even have business cards. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the Downey Livewire, sponsored by Labrie, a podcast by the Downey Patriot newspaper. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone.